Hi, in today's episode, we have Dr. Aloma Lobo. Hi, Aloma. Just to briefly introduce Aloma, she is a lecturer in the Department of Physiology in St. John's Medical College. She's worked with the World Health Organization on multiple research projects, chairperson of the Family Welfare Center, and we'll get to know more about this, chairperson of Adoption Coordinating Agency, which is a Supreme Court mandated body which facilitates the placement of abandoned Indian children with Indian families. She's a chairperson of CARA, Central Adoption Resource Agency in the Union Ministry of Women and Child Development. She has authored the book, Penguin Guide to Adoption in India. And we will ask Aloma as to how this whole journey towards adoption began. And a little bit more about you and where did this whole mother instinct that is so huge in you, Aloma, tell me about it. Thank you, Mahua. I was the chairperson of uh, Adoption Coordinating Agency and I was the chairperson of CARA at one time. Uh, where did this journey begin? Actually, this journey began, I think, uh, when I first met my husband, who was then my fiancé. And we said, you know, it'll be nice if we have two children and uh, we adopt one. And we got married. And as the saying goes, man proposes and God disposes. And uh, in a very short time, we had three boys. And then when our youngest son was about three and a half years old, we said, now it's time to adopt that child. We promised ourselves we would adopt. So we went to an agency in those days. They were, in those days, they were called orphanages. And we asked them, she said, we would like to adopt a child. They gave us about a week or so. And then they gave us this beautiful little girl. The little girl, she came home and she was about five and a half months old. And, uh, well, where she's concerned, the rest is history. For five Years later, four years later, four years later, we wanted a little more of this good experience that we had and we adopted our second child. Again, that was a girl. But in between what happened, I got involved with adoption. And you know, my, our oldest child now is 40 years old, the girl who's adopted. And uh, in those days, people didn't adopt children so easily. You only adopted a child as a last resort if you had no children. And the fact that we already had three children and we wanted to adopt a child was a bit of a, was, was rather confusing to many people. They thought How did you navigate that, Aloma? Well, I think, I think uh, the, the, the question that people ask, what happened? Well, my husband had some unmentionable reasons to give just for fun. And the thing is, you know, people ask questions not because they're mean or that they're just wondering what to do. And I think we have to take it in that spirit. So I would tell them, this is our decision, it's what we always wanted to do. And then they would think, you know, I was a bit crazy. Why would you want to do it? Like someone said to me, you've got three sons, you'll get dowry in lakhs, and now you want to take in girls. But first of all, I don't believe in dowry. And secondly, I thought a girl was precious at that time. And uh, well, it, our court process took very long and all at that time, because even the courts were wondering why we would want girls when we had boys. And why would we want more than one girl at that point of time? But somewhere along the line, I got involved with adoption as I, I left working. I worked at that time. I was working with St. John's. Then I worked with the World Health Organization. And then I left that because I felt there was something here that I really wanted to do. And at that time, through a friend of mine, I, I was elected to join the Adoption Coordinating Agency at that time. And I became very involved with, uh, with uh, facilitating the adoption of Indian children by Indian parents. And what was really interesting along that, then slowly along the way, I became the chairperson of CARA, which is, which is, uh, which is the, the body which oversees adoption in the country. And uh, I think what 
and children were being adopted, you know, and older children were being adopted. And I think the one thing that we have to realize is that we were not looking for a, a child for any particular family. We were looking for the best family for a child. And as the years went on, there were fewer children and more parents who wanted to adopt as people were becoming more and more aware of the fact, yes, I can build my family, I can grow my family through adoption. It's not It's not really a fact that blood alone makes a family. It's oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can say that again yeah. and again. It's relationship that builds families. It's yes, it is relationships yeah, that build builds family. families. Absolutely. And yes. children come to us in different ways. And the fact that a child came to you bio- biologically or a child comes to you through adoption, it's still... It's still, it's still a process which is f- quite fast forgotten as the years go on, as the months go on, actually. And uh, so I think the important thing to remember is that every single child is a deserving of a family. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Whether the child is an infant, an older child, keep in mind that older children usually come from traumatic backgrounds and they have a memory of some kind of trauma. Little babies come from, it's easier with little babies that they get into a family much earlier. But somewhere along the line, what really happened was that it, it's, it's, it's an incident that happened. I was standing in this particular uh, agency. We call them agencies now, not orphanages. And uh, someone kept bumping into my leg. And I looked down and here was this little guy. We used to call him Salman because you insisted on sitting around without his shirt. <laughs> and, so he and, was called Salman. Yeah. But his name wasn't Salman. It was something else. And he said, Auntie. My mummy, daddy, when they're coming. And because there were some kids who had just gone with their, with their parents who had just come to take them. And I looked down at him and the first thought, he, I remember, he, keep in mind that I said he nudged me. He didn't touch me. You see, he had no hands and no legs. He had just little stumps. But he still wanted to play football. And I looked down at him and I said to myself, you know, I said, it's going to take some time for anybody to come pick you up. And that's when I decided that these children with special needs were of equal value, if you like to use that word, and uh, as any other kid. And they were equally deserving of a family, of the love and security of a family as any other child. And I took it upon myself, much to everybody else's irritation, to, to uh, what shall I say? How can I say this? To look for families for these children, you know, as a priority. Because the other kids would find families, especially those kids who were zero to two, could find families quite easily within the country or outside the country. Children with special needs hardly went in our country. They would go into other countries. But these were a priority. They needed to heal emotionally, you know, physically. Some were just sick and they needed medical attention really fast. Some had genetic conditions. The genetic conditions were always very difficult to place. And, uh, and, uh, that's what I thought, you know, it'd be a good idea if, if I gave this a priority. And along the line, we fostered nine children. You know, children who were in need of special care along the way, where they were sitting in an orphanage, they wouldn't get the one-to-one care. So we had some really interesting children along the way. We had a, we had a little boy who couldn't speak, and, uh, but he could do everything else. And he was also on the spectrum, on the autistic spectrum. And we had a little girl who was completely blind who went to a family where the mother is completely blind and she has a PhD from MIT. Wonderful. And where is in this? In mathematics in the US. And wow. her father is, an, is, is, a, is a computer geek. And there were several, several little kids who, there was another kid who, had, who was psychologically very disturbed. Another little kid. There were kids with varying degrees of special needs or challenges. And they were with us either from a minimum of two months to two years. But they went away. And... Uh, then uh, 
it, it, it was a beautiful journey. And many people asked me, you know, you're a doctor. Why don't you work in medicine? And uh, I always worked in a voluntary capacity, mainly because I thought my greatest reward was just seeing a family so happy with their child. And many of the children still keep in touch with me. I don't intrude and keep in touch with them initially until unless they contact me and say, hello, you, you don't... I don't remember them actually most of the time. There are so many, I can't remember their names or their families. And uh, 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 I think one of the loveliest experiences I ever had was uh, I, was in, uh, I was in Washington and I was going up the escalator in a, in a shopping mall when someone from the back said, Dr. Lobo, Dr. Lobo. And I turned around, oh, it is you, she said. And there was she with this young, this young girl. She was, must have been about 12 years old. She said, don't you remember me? I didn't. And then it was... And then we sat down and we had coffee. And it was so beautiful that 10,000 miles away, someone you recognize My someone God, and you see how well they're mom. doing, you know. But then I think, you know, our lives changed. Then our kids grew up. They, they studied. They went to America. Our last daughter was still in school. Our fifth child was still in school. When, when a lady called Mrs. Chandy, she said, Aloma, would you like to come and see this child in, uh, in, 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 in Ashraya? She has lamellar ichthyosis and the staff are very worried about looking after her. Eyes bleed and her skin is such that she smells quite badly. You know, can you, can you come and have a look at her? What is the disease called, Aloma? It's called lamellar ichthyosis. It's a, it's a genetic condition. And it, it was a Sunday morning and I said, yeah, let me come and have a look at her. I, of course, Guru Lanomita had ulterior motives because she was wondering whether we could foster the child for a while till she went in adoption. And uh, she was a good friend of mine. She's since passed. And from church, David, myself, and our two daughters, we said, just toodle around to Ashraya. So we did go there. And we saw this little girl who was all wrapped up in this muslin kind of cloth. And, uh, and she was so tiny. And she was just about a month old or a month and a half, something like that. And she looked terrible. And our second daughter picked her up and she held her. And the big girl picked her up and they looked at her. Said, Mother, we've got to take her home. We've got to take her home now. And anyway, we spoke to Mrs. Chandy and she said, yes, you can take her in foster care. And the next day we came and picked her up and we brought her home. <laughs> like I said, man proposes and God disposes. And in no time at all, we fell in love with her. And we didn't see her condition anymore. But like I said earlier, we saw a little child who needed us. And in a funny kind of way, we needed her too. But wasn't it challenging for you, Aloma? Because it is challenging to have, you know... Um... You see... I, like I said, it's, it's, if you want to do something, you can. If you don't want to do something, you can't. And then you love somebody and you want to do it. And there's no other, there's no other option. You want to do it. It's what you want to do. It's what makes you happy. Like I said, it isn't like she needed us alone. Like I said, I, don't, I cannot explain it. In a funny kind of way, we needed each other. I just so get that when you say that, that there are some relationships that we feel that, you know, we need that person or they need us, but actually it was so two mutual. people mutually so need mutual. one another. Yeah. And the other kids, absolutely. the two who are in America, had not yet met her, but they loved her too from, from afar and her sisters loved her and there was one son over here. And, and you see, a child comes into your family, whether by adoption or through biology, it's the same thing. You know, you, you, yeah. you of course, when a child comes up, uh, and you still get those little bit of sibling rivalries that the children are very small. Though we didn't have it here because our, our last daughter was just in school. She was she was she was twelve or thirteen years old. I forget something like that. And uh, so you know, it it's it it was it was it was okay. It wasn't difficult. And I had the most amazing person who worked with me at that time, and uh, she helped me a lot with the child. 
So we used to take it in turns at night to get up or to go to sleep, you know. And then suddenly one bright day, little Miss Muffet Nisha was walking around and <laughs> she took little over Miss our lives. Little Miss Muffin Nisha. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Nisha. Nisha is a very special young lady, but she's a young lady now. And uh, she does have a mouth on her, which is good. And which, which says that she's very secure and very safe. She believes she's very safe and secure where she is. <laughs> and she still rolls her eyes at me when she gets annoyed. And uh, that's her one good eye. <laughs> and uh, she's, 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 uh, she's mature beyond her years. And I think the greatest lesson that we've learned from her is that whatever challenge you may have, it doesn't identify you. It's how you, you accept your challenge. And like somebody once asked her, aren't you angry with God for what, he, what he's made you this way? And she said, no, I'm thankful to God for making me this way. I wouldn't have been in the family that I am in, number one. Number two, I'm grateful for all that I have. I have so much. And okay, I look a little different. So that if you don't like me, it's your problem. It's not mine. I know I look different. It's okay. I'm grateful for what I have. I don't worry about what I don't have. So she's, she's mature beyond her years. And she has a very sympathetic ear or a very understanding ear. Empathetic. I shouldn't say sympathetic. Empathetic ear to anybody who has a problem. She's able to deal with it in college, in school. I, she still has friends who call her up all parts of the day with issues that they might have with parents, grandparents, friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, you know. Has she ever dated or? No, 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 no she hasn't. But she has a lot of friends. She has a lot of friends. Okay. So, Aloma, just, uh, uh, you know, how was it with your relatives and everybody when you brought in Nisha? Were they yes. open or uh, did you feel any moment that well, a lot of people, because I'm sure as a large family, yeah. you would have had gatherings. With, with my children, there was nothing. My children were absolutely accepting and, and they've been raised in this milieu of little strange children coming home, you know. My mother was absolutely for it. My father sadly had passed on. He never did meet Nisha. He'd have loved her, I know. And my in-laws were also there. But you see, extended family were a little uh, surprised. And since we live in a nuclear family, they knew they had nothing to do with it. So, so whatever anybody might have thought at one time, I think has since passed. You know, they felt it was, why are we taking this on? That was entirely our choice. You know, did they find her distasteful at times? Perhaps they did, but they never showed it. And that uh, I think is very nice of them. Too. Yeah, they never showed it. We never ever met with a single person who found her distasteful and who even made a face or showed it, even when she was very small. And by and large, there's been acceptance, complete acceptance. My brother still says to me, he said, I could not have done it, but I'm so happy that you did, you know, which is fine. I accept that. There are things which I can't do, which my brother can do, which my sister can do, and I can't do those things. They're much smarter than I am. And, you know, and and... You know, there are just, I think God gives you different gifts. You just have to recognize them and use them. That's so all. did you recognize this part in you when you were younger? You know, obviously you're extremely empathetic. Let me put it this way. I'm not that kind of mom, really. I'm not that enveloping, enveloping, uh, you know, mom who who's with her kids all the time. No, I'm not that kind of mom. I have, I, I raised them to be independent and we're also interdependent, you know, codependent with each other. And, uh, I've also always had a life of my own. My husband had, and I have had a life of our own. And we've also had our individual, he's a businessman and, and I'm a doctor. And I, 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 I don't know how I can say this in a podcast, but I love being in company. I love friends, you know, and I love, 
I love going out and I've, so I've had a life of my own. And at the same time, hopefully I haven't neglected my children in that thing. And I think, and I think part of the reason we've got six kids and Nisha is still in college, but my other five kids have been relatively successful with what they've done. Four of them are married. They have happy, five of them are in, one is in a relationship. They have, they have very happy relationships with their spouses or with their partners. And uh, so somewhere along the line, if I look back, I think I must have done something right. We must have done something right. We raised children to we raised the children together. My husband and I, not me alone. Yeah, yeah David and you together, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So obviously, you were very fortunate to meet a man also who was in, uh, in alignment together. Absolutely. So was it a courtship or was it something? That, or, no, no. You know, it, it did you discuss an arranged this? Marriage. Actually, my husband is. It's a funny story. He was becoming a priest. Oh dear! Till yeah. he met a loma. No, 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 no! no. I stop you there. He was in a seminary for six years and then he left the seminary. And then he started going to college and he was going to work and all that kind of stuff. And them gone days, I met him at a party, and that. Well, and we didn't, we didn't, we didn't decide, we didn't sort of, sort of, fall for each other. Then it was a good seven years later or so. <laughs> oh, so you guys dated? We, we were good friends first. Good friends first. We were just good friends. Do you believe that crowd. friendship is the foundation absolutely, of a long-lasting relationship? Absolutely. In yeah, fact, because I'm a huge believer yeah, of that. I think if you're good friends first, then you really know each other. You know, without without without. Uh, the emotional angle being involved to that extent. Yeah, and we've had a very good marriage. Thank also without the pretenses, because with friends, you don't yeah. pretend. Yeah, you are who you are. Yeah. When you're angry, you're angry. You know, you don't camouflage and, any emotion. He, he used to live next door <laughs> and he used to come over much to my mother's irritation because you always come over at dinner time. And we used to talk and talk and talk and talk. My sister, myself, and we used to yammer away till the wee hours of the morning because he just had to go out of the gate next and, and go away. But but yeah, I think friendship is a very good foundation for a good marriage. It is. It is a very good I, foundation. I, I think so too. But we ha- I have to know a little bit about uh, this part that you said that you have. Uh, it's very evident that you do lead your life, uh, you know, the way you want to lead it. Because looking at you and your fitness levels and I mean, I, I'm jealous if I may say that <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> And I've been constantly, you know, asking you about this. So you have to love yourself a lot to be able to give out love. Am I right? I think you're right. <laughs> yes. I'm vain also. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. I don't think you're vain. You're in love with yourself. And which I think every individual, because, you know, there's this whole saying that if you're empty from within, how would you pour out? Right? I'm not a self-sacrificing mom. I'm not. Nor and am I. I. And I, I <laughs> no. And I think, you know, these mothers who are self-sacrificing and whose whole, whole world revolves around their child, they are they are lacking in something in what they give their children also. Yes. Yeah. You respect I think confidence yourself. maybe. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And the ability to probably, I don't know, I mean, I shouldn't be talking, but every parent has their own way of raising yeah. their own children. But I do believe that, you know, mothers should have a life of their own absolutely, to be able to be yeah. healthy, to foster healthy absolutely. relationships I agree. I think with I, their I, children. I totally yes. believe that. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you too on that part. <laughs> you know, because I think I got back to working only after my son left. And, you know, I... Everybody had thought that, oh my God, I'm going to cry buckets and I'm going to just die. Yes, I was extremely worried when he went, you know, because I was so used to him coming back, you know, and all of that. He left India and he went into London to study. But I think what happened to me also, you know, is this that, of course, there was this whole worry. Of course. Like, um, like most parent, uh, parents do for their children. But I also started discovering myself with my work. And, you know, uh, the, the the biggest uh, realization for me was on a Sunday, I could fix a meeting, which I'd never Absolutely. done ever before. Yeah, yeah. 
there were days that there would be work and I would always say no because you know you have responsibilities for you know to put the whole thing together and uh, so yes I I do believe that you know if you don't have a life of your own you cannot uh, justify all the other Absolutely. roles that you play or also you have to let them go you have to let them go because yes. until, un, until you leave that string that you attach to them by the umbilical cord if you like unless they cannot fly yes and it's only when you see them soaring up in the air there yes. that you know you've done your job well absolutely when you, you see have them, to yeah, let yeah. them go you being to able to them. navigate like their people lives people say to me very often such a big family don't you miss them I say I miss them but I love them to come and then I love them to go again <laughs> <laughs> say that again <laughs> yeah I yeah. love them to come yeah. but I like them to go again I like again. to see them go again yeah yes yeah. and yeah. you have the yeah. house to yeah. yourself yeah. Yeah. in your own life yeah and we've got Nisha at home still so it's okay and yeah so uh, uh, do you worry about nisha and her i do i future? i i must say i i worry about one day when we're not around though her brothers and sisters i remember at one time when 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 uh, whenever we travel we sort of made a will you know if especially we travel together if something happens god forbid you know about her and they all wanted to be her legal guardians in case something happened to her and then we said no we have to make the person who's living in india her legal guardian when, when she was underage still and so they so we know that she will not want for family that we know but you know i'm unlike my husband who's very sensible about these things i'm not and i do worry sometimes yes i do not sometimes very often <laughs> yeah but i'm sure yeah, things yeah. you have such you yeah. raise such beautiful yeah. children yeah, i'm sure yeah, you know yeah abdal yeah. uh, yeah. i'm sure i'm sure that they would take care of her that i know and now she says what do you mean they take care of me i can take care of myself too how she's, wonderful yeah, she's yeah So she's become independent yeah. also. Except to when I'm larger. in the house. When I'm in the house, no. <laughs> she expects yeah. you to do everything. Mother, for I'm her. hungry. You know something else, sir. You know how to make a sandwich. Make it yourself. But you're here. She'll say. <laughs> so that also happens. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Doctor Aloma Lobo. Oh, my pleasure entirely. Yeah. And I don't know if I can. I I get tongue tied when I say Doctor Aloma Lobo because I want to call you Aloma. Please I've seen do. You I more. prefer people to call me Aloma. Thank you so much for being in today's podcast, and uh, it's an absolute pleasure. People like you reiterate my faith in humanity in human beings because it takes so much to be able to give yourself at this level. Uh, you're not ordinary. You're oh, not sweet. ordinary, Thank Aloma. You so much. No, Thank you're you. not. But I guess you don't know me well enough now. <laughs> no, you're not ordinary yeah. because it 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 you need to be extraordinary to be able to foster, give a home to so many children because so few of us can do what you're doing. And uh, thank you so much for being on today's episode. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. To you, our dearest listeners, you can find us on your favorite streaming services. Find us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcast. and of course all other major streaming services with loads of love we are mudimo avas podcast where hatke is hot